Hey everyone, it's Siobhan with the Creative Outsiders, where we connect the dots for storytellers. Basically, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dream. And you know, we're back for season four, and I'm excited because I get to sit and chat with Mercedes Brazier Thurman. She's a screenwriter and a content creator. Her writing explores the comedic curiosity and complex vulnerability within our relationships. She is currently a staff writer for the streaming site Black and Sexy TV. She was a co-writer for Black and Sexy TV's Hello Cupid Season 3 Reboot. She is the creator of the quirky comedic web series All My Friends Are Married. Season 1 is distributed by the Black TV and Film Collective. In addition, she is the co-creator of Mom Story, a millennial blog that encourages creativity and parenting. She also has an MA in Educational Theater from NYU Steinhardt School of Education. She is also currently a script writing professor at the City University of New York. Welcome Mercedes to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm great. I can't wait to chat. Like I have all these questions. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Um, but I do want to start with, because just because the, the time we're in, and if anybody goes back and listens, we're like, I guess, want to say in the middle of um, COVID-19. So the world is looking a little bit different. I have been saying we are on punishment from outside, and I'll be glad <laughs> when we get off of punishment. But I do want to start with just asking you, because I've been doing just like a temperature check. Like, how are you doing? How are you maintaining in the house? And you're a wife and you're a mom. So it's different for it's different for y'all because my friends have been texting me like, I'm not okay. Then <laughs> <laughs> <Didn't> help. <laughs> so how are you doing during this time? I am over it. Um, I've been over it. I think when I, because I, you know, I have a full-time job. So when I work, I have just structured my life to accomplish so much in those 40 hours. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm home 24-7 and like now I'm a homeschool teacher, it changes a lot. It changes my flow in writing. Um, also, these are crazy times. So sometimes I may not feel that creative. I may not feel like I want to write right now. I just want to bitch watch a movie that I've seen a hundred times and not <laughs> even overanalyze it or map it out like I usually do. So I just feel like giving myself grace, um, giving my creative brain like grace. Like, hey, if we don't write today, that's okay. There's a global pandemic going on outside. And I think that's good that you said that because it is, um, and not to discount anybody else in any other career because we're all trying to figure it out. Yeah. I do think that's just a good thing to say for you know any creatives that are listening. Just overall, I think that we usually struggle with giving ourselves grace like just the ability to say like, okay, today I didn't create and I'm not going to beat myself up for it. So I'm glad that you said that, like, even especially during this time, like giving yourself the grace to say, you know what, it's okay if I binge watch this show because I don't have it in me. So. And we live in such like a hustle and grind culture. So just sometimes to pause, like it's okay. It's healthy. Absolutely. I totally agree on that. You are creative and we ran your resume bio out just a tad bit. And I always like to start asking people, what would people be surprised to know about your journey as a creative? 
oh, probably that like I quit a hundred times. <laughs> that's, that's a great question. I think I, you know, I went to film school. I got a BFA at Tisch, top school. Mm-hmm. I got that degree and I was like, ah, I think I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going to do this anymore. That was really fun. That was a lot of money. I'm done. Um, and I was done. I was done for like almost 10 years. I didn't pick up a pen. I didn't write at all. Oh, I, wow. It was just like, it was just like a hobby that I have, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that I fostered or really um, thought about. So then what made you pick it back up after the 10 years? I was turning 30. Mm, the magic number. The magic number. <laughs> and I had a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts that would not die. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I should just try writing again. And I was so rusty because I haven't done it in such a long time. So I have this expensive degree. I haven't looked at a screenwriting book or a screenplay in years. So I started like looking up classes, um, just starting at the basics in the beginning again, um, just to start writing again, starting telling these stories to literally get these stories out of me. And that's really what the process has been so far. Just, I want these stories out of me. (laughs) I feel you on that. And I think that's just uh, even really good that you said that even though you had this degree and you hadn't touched like writing in 10 years, and you knew that you had to start from like the beginning. Is that something because, you know, I'm putting you on like teacher hat too. <laughs> is, that, is that something that you see is an issue for newbie screenwriters? Like they just want like the success without ha- realizing that there is work behind it. it. I can't, I'm trying to remember the quote of Jordan Peele of how many times that he wrote Get Out, mm-hmm. but it was like more than 20. Uh, it's a process and it takes years. And I think, letting that be okay as well it takes a while so then how were you able because when you started back you know you said okay i have to get these ideas out you picked up a few more courses like what did the because the the picture that i try to get people to see is the middle like were you working a nine to five like how were you juggling like getting these ideas i i still have a nine to five I've, I've always written with, with a job <laughs> working for someone else. I either wake up early. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do it do work, during work, so don't tell. Um, <laughs> sometimes I do it um, after, after work in the evening when my son goes to bed. Like I, I, I am also not one of those writers who I have to be in a cafe. The music has to be playing. The scene <laughs> has to be perfect. That's, that's, not, that's not me. Right. I'm definitely like, if I have this 20 minutes, I'm going to use this 20 minutes to write, to get it out, to get it done. It may not be perfect, but let's get it on the page. Right. And I, that's good, you know, like get it on the page because that's the other thing that I'm seeing that a lot of people who message the creative outsiders like in our inbox or send us email is the question. And I'm going to look, I'm going to put it on you. Um, <laughs> The question we always get is like, how do I get started? And maybe because I just say it's so basic, I might just start. But for somebody who is not necessarily has never picked up uh, a pen to write a script, what what are some firsts that they need to do? What what is your process, or what would you suggest to them that they need to do? I feel like sometimes. Um... You get the idea from two directions. One direction is like you have a really interesting character. 
this character comes to you, it speaks to you, you see this character, um, and you're like, I really want to explore who this character is. Or sometimes you get a really like interesting concept or idea. Um, the character you don't really know yet, but you right. know like that's a really good story that I that I have to tell. I think whichever way that it comes to you, give yourself a moment to pause and literally write it down. Prose it out on a sheet of paper. It doesn't have to be messy. I always say to my students, just vomit it out. Mm -hmm. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be messy. It's going to be dirty. And that's going to be okay. But just get it on. I'm literally talking about like handwriting it, right? Mm -hmm. Old-fashioned, eighth-grade style, um, not even on a computer. Because when we have a, on the computer, we see those red squiggly dots. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, we made a mistake. We got to go back. We got to spell check. No, don't let anything stop you. Ten minutes. Or if you can't do 10 minutes, break that down to five minutes. Break that down to three minutes. Just begin writing. Who is this character? Why did this character come and start speaking to you? Or what is this story? What makes this story interesting? And why are you the one that has to tell it? So just start exploring whichever those options are. And once you have the character, or once you have the story, then switch it. Now that you have a really great character, what is it that this character wants? And what is in their way of getting what they want? If you have a really great concept or a really great story, who are these characters involved? How are they interesting? How are they going to like captivate your audience? So once you switch, then we can begin to start, start talking about what is the screenplay? What's the story? What's the film about? That's really good. Uh, really, really good advice. Maybe, you know, I'm going to just tell them, I'm going to send them to the podcast when it comes out and I'm going to be like, okay, this is what you need to do. Cause you know, I'm just like, just start, put it on a paper, like get it out your head. Um, but I like how you said switch, uh, because I've had both scenarios where it's like an actual story concept. Yeah. And then I'll have like, it's a character and the character's like, look, I need to be a part of this story. So I, I like that you say, you know, reverse it. So that's really good. And then what are some things that you see for people who have, let's say, okay, they've written the scripts, maybe they've written, you know, maybe two or three. What are issues that you see where there are holes? Like, what are the pain points for screenwriters? Because that's the other thing. Everybody believes, which we all believe, that our idea is worthy of being on a big screen and people getting in their cars, driving to the movie theater and paying their money to see. Some of it, I think, boils down to structure. Act ones being a little bit longer than they need to be. I feel like sometimes as writers, we fall in love with scenes or we fall in love with dialogue. Um, yeah. It really just kind of like belabors the entire story. But we think it's hilarious and we think it's crucial. <laughs> but I think that also, once you have it written on the page, I would say start reading some screenplays mm -hmm. and just study how quickly things move and how information exposition is shared out. And also get, get, a, get kind of like a support system of screenwriters as well, of other writers who could truly and authentically critique your work. So how do you get better at getting feedback and critiques because that's another thing that I see that's a really big issue like people and even for me because like I so resonated with you when you said you spent all this money for school that was me I went and got my MFA in screenwriting and like it's a lot of money um, <laughs> I didn't know that <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's a it's a lot of money so um, Y'all are getting a lot of gems that happened in school that I paid thousands of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I see that people, and even for me, when I got my first like feedback from my professor, oh, I was so upset. So how do you get better at like receiving? Feedback? I think when it comes to feedback, you put on that hard skin. Mm -hmm. um, don't be, as a writer, don't be afraid to let go. If it's better, it's for the betterment of the story, then let it go. If this character doesn't work, then you just have to let it go. But I have seen writers argue tooth and nail about why something has to stay in that story. Then that writer needs, a, just we need to pause, we need to break, we need a moment. Um, just for the writer to see, sometimes you write something, you come back to it a month later, give yourself yes. time, and you're like, you know what? <laughs> this character is not working. Yes. I do need to change this. So sometimes if it's too close, give yourself time and space. I agree on that. Because definitely before I'm taking a pause and I just didn't look at it. It probably was like for maybe a week. And I came back and I was like, oh, this character is so basic. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take them out. But yeah, when you're really close, every, you're like, no, this is my baby. Yes. I need to protect it. <laughs> Yeah, but don't be, yeah, but I also feel like you want, you want those really strong critiques mm -hmm. because by the time you send it out to like a festival, to a producer, you want it to be as perfect as it can be. Absolutely. You have to give us the tea on how you became a staff writer for Black and Sexy TV and how is it, you know, writing with somebody else? Because that's the other thing. We say creative, it's a collaborative process. But how were you able to navigate collaborating writing? And I asked you like two questions. So we'll start with that one first. <laughs> no, that's, I will always say like screenwriting is actually so individual. Like it is. We're in our corners and we're writing. And then when I'm ready to share it, then I share it. But you're right. It's sometimes it's always not collaborative. Um, so I, I did the web series. All my friends are married. Um, and then um, the people from Black and Sexy, they had a, they were looking for writers. So I, I submitted an application, I was interviewed, um, and so I, I began writing for them. So working for Black and Sexy, it was awesome, but two things, one, it's collaborative, and two, it, at some point, I am a commissioned writer, right? Mm -hmm. So the show has a specific vision and outcome and target audience that we are all like thinking about as we are in that writer's room. So the idea of having a thin skin, you're like, you're, you're constantly telling ideas. This is what happens in episode three. This should happen in episode four. It could be shot down like in a second. You gotta be okay with that. You gotta move on <laughs> and keep writing and keep writing with it. At the same time, you have uh, some, some scripts uh, we co-wrote with, with, with each other. So there'll be moments, like I said before, that you think are perfect and amazing. And the co-writer was like, no, that, that actually wasn't funny. It was actually really corny. <laughs> so let's, let's change it. So writing is very intimate. Mm -hmm. So when you have that writing partner, as writers, we're putting our, like our, our, our tears, our sweat, and our blood on that page. So you want to make sure that you have some trust in that writer's room. Screenwriting is a, a very intimate process. It's the after effect of, you know, when you're actually doing the entire film, that it's a lot more collaborative. But how is it in a, a writer's room where you like, let's say you think that your your joke hit and your co-writer is like, nah, how do y'all then like determine or flesh that out? How does that look? 
sometimes we saved if it was a, honestly if it was a good joke we would save that joke and see if we could put it in another episode mm-hmm. sometimes we would submit a script with two different versions of a joke <laughs> to see to get feedback to see hey which one works in the room okay you, you were right this one doesn't work let's 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 exit out let's delete it and that yeah i like that because i think too people desire to want to be a part of writer writers rooms but they don't know what it looks like you know and that could be very intimidating I think what took me the most off guard was how quick thinking you have to be in the writer's room. Cause I, you know, I like to very much process, think about what I'm going to say, then possibly say it. But mm-hmm. I feel like in the writer's room, it was just kind of like this constant flow of ideas and stories, what was working, what was not working. Um, ideas being rejected, ideas being accepted. If it's accepted, then how are you going to expand upon it? And just being able to have those answers very quickly. That's really good, though. Um, and that, that just gives perspective. And that goes back to the same thing we were saying earlier about just being able to accept criticism and not being married to that idea. So yeah, yeah. I do want to talk about All My Friends Are Married because I love it. Thank you. And I want a season two. I think I even <laughs> it in your DMs like, so what are we doing? <laughs> so tell people a little bit all, about All My Friends Are Married and we'll go from there. I feel like every time I write, you know, you're writing a, a version of yourself mm-hmm. and all my friends are married is definitely that. So at the time I was single, I was, I was, I am Christian. Um, I was navigating the dating world in New York city. So all of these things are kind of like, like little composites that are in the character, who the character is. Um, so it's about being single in New York city and dealing with um, faith and sex and, and identity. And so you wrote the script in its entirety, correct? Yeah. So then did you, did you direct it as well? No, Ekwa Masangi directed it. Okay. So then, okay, for you to then write it, and now you have somebody else directing it, how was that? Were you hands-on? Did you have a lot to say? Or were you kind of like, okay, here goes my baby. I trust you. That's a good question because I wrote it. I also, it, it definitely was is my baby right mm-hmm, right um i wrote it i raised the funds for it. we did crowdfunding for it um and it was a while before it even hit the screen so it was a while like i was i was asking people i love being a screenwriter let me just start there i love writing production being on set i don't necessarily love that that much okay so i knew i needed to gather a team to help me complete this project so I had the scripts, they were written. I just literally asked my circle of friends, who do you know that could direct it? And a few different names came up and a few of the directors who are awesome, they were like, do you have any funds? Do you have any money? I was like, no, I don't, <laughs> but <laughs> are you still interested? And so then once Equa uh, joined the team, she was like, now we need to get a solid producer. And she was right. Um, so then we hired um, Haria Muhammad to come in and she was like the producer. She gathered the team and the crew and the locations. And we were able to shoot, I think it was like five episodes in, in four days. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And it's, I mean, I look at it now, I'm like this is quality work. This is- Absolutely. And that, that's, I, I feel like a lot of that goes into the team that was already, that was established before we even hit the set. 
Yeah, that's amazing because, you know, people scramble to get through a episode in, in one week. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. It also it shows like the value of having a solid producer on the team as well. Absolutely. I was taking notes from like, oh, that's what you do. That's how you ask, ask that question. Great. Got it. And so when I gave the, the scripts to Equa, to the director, there's already trust there. We already have trust with each other. Mm-hmm. We've already we've already sat down and had multiple conversations about the vision of the series, who these characters are, um, the comedic moments in the in the scenes. So a lot of times we filmed it. I was probably outside the room. I was probably in the hallway. I wasn't even maybe on set watching it because we just had the trust there. You said having trust. Um and just like other things that you need to consider beyond the technical. Cause I think a lot of times we look at, um, does this person, you know, can they get my vision, but can y'all work together? Yeah. Yeah. It's a community. We create like a little family. Uh, we were on set for like four days, but it was weeks, months of conversation before we even hit the set. And then afterwards, the whole editing situation. So that still multiple conversations that, that take place. So, yeah, it takes it takes a real relationship the good, to show you like the, your good moments as well as your bad moments. Yeah. And then do you think going forward that you're going to, and not necessarily um, for all my friends are married, but do you see yourself continuing to like write your stories and put out like more content in that realm? In the web series? Yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't see I didn't see black and sexy coming either. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I just feel like this door opened. I was like, hey, I'm just gonna try it. I'm just gonna walk through. I'm gonna see what happens. But I didn't like. Yeah. I was honored that someone was like, hey, we're gonna pay you for your for these scripts. So I was like, oh, all right, awesome. <laughs> of course, because that's what all screenwriters want: <laughs> we someone to pay us for our work. <laughs> That's funny. So any future goals for yourself creatively? Like, where do you see yourself going? Because I know you teach and that's something that you do consistently. But as far as a creative, where do you see yourself going? Uh, Yeah, I love teaching screenwriting. I love just a lot of my students. Some of them are film majors. Most of them are not. But it's just like opening the world of film to them. Um, Creatively, I'm finishing my feature now. Um, And by finishing my feature, it means I'm on my third draft. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on my third draft, but still, I know as a writer, it's still not hitting. So there's a lot more drafts to go. So giving myself time and permission to just keep going. That's good. Well, I'll be looking out for that. I'm excited for you. And then um, I did want to go back for a second. As as far as crowdfunding, what what was the biggest lesson you learned from that? Because I know a lot of people attempt crowdfunding and sometimes people have success and sometimes people don't. What was um, some lessons that you learned from that? Um, What I tell most people is that you start small and then go big. So you have those 10 people in your circle and who you know they're going to give you money, right? Right. So you immediately ask them, hey, I'm going to start crowdfunding on this day for this project. I need to make sure that there is money there before I ask my medium to large size group. Because if I sort of know you on Facebook or I sort of know your Instagram, 
and I see that you're crowdfunding and I click on the link and you really have like, you know, less than 10%, I'm less likely to give. So True. Once, once people see that there, people are already giving, there's momentum behind this, um, there's money behind this, that people are more likely to give. So have that small group ready to go when you start um, crowdfunding. And you have them ready to go because you've already called them, right? You, you, you've had conversations with them. You've shared your heart and your passion with them. And they can see that you're serious about this. And then not just like, it's not just an email you're sending them, right? Right. You want to make sure that you have that connection with them. And then you start the process. And once you start the process, you're, you know, this is a part that I think people get comfortable with, but you're asking the same person maybe twice or three times um, to give money towards a project. Mm. So they, so maybe you sit this email out once, you sit this text message out once, you don't have a response, you probably might want to send it again to that person as well. Yeah. And that's the part I think people get uncomfortable with. But if you think of, remember back in the day when um, Obama was running for president, those fundraisers Listen. multiple emails three times a day if that's what the top fundraisers are doing then we can mimic that as well for our, for our projects they have no they had no problem with stalking oh, our emails <laughs> <laughs> like thank you for contributing but do you got five more dollars <laughs> yes i just got this email <laughs> that's a good point though that's a very good tip and you are absolutely correct about that if i see someone who has momentum, I am definitely more likely to say, okay, you know, let me push you over. Yeah, but yeah. if you are like, you got $20, nah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to donate. I'll, I'll be like, oh, okay, I'll come back <laughs> and check. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. And oh, thanks for having me. This was fun. I was so nervous. I told you it was, look, we're among family. I tell everybody, I try to make it lighthearted and that people are able to share. Um, I do always ask people any last words of advice that you want to give any creatives that are listening during this time. I always just want to shout out all the mothers who are listening. Um, if you are a mother and a writer and sometimes it gets really difficult and you feel like maybe this dream should die or should pause, I would say keep writing and keep going. I feel like motherhood has somehow fostered and improved and strengthened the stories and the characters that I give. So I just want to always encourage mothers. We need stories. We need our stories to be told. So keep writing. Absolutely. My website is allmyfriendsaremarried.tv and my Instagram is the Mercedes BT. And everyone, you know the drill. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Go live your filmmaking dreams. Make sure you subscribe you share and you let other people know that there are creatives out here doing the work until next time.